Gott ist ein guter Gott. God's Amen. A good God. Amen. Komm, lass uns Jesus nochmal richtig so let's give a big, big hand to Jesus. Ja, er ist mächtiger als He is alle more powerful than all COVID-19 viruses. He's king. He's the God of the breakthrough. Amen. Ja, Gott ist ein Gott des Durchbruchs. So, und Amen. God's a God of the breakthrough and we are always on the right side with him. Du bist mit Jesus auf der richtigen Seite. So, tell the person next to you, you're always on the right side with Jesus. You can never be on the wrong side with him. Good news, right? Praise the Lord. Ich habe heute Heute Morgen hätte ich gesagt, <laughs> This morning, I almost said, well, the previous service, I preached on Absalom. Usually I give you the same message twice, but actually this was boring. And so I had a good time with the Lord on Saturday, where I studied the Word of God for several hours, and there was so much that came, and I thought, wow, how can I put all of this into one message, and now I can only preach for 30 minutes, how do I do that? And actually, Corona uh, makes everything possible, so I thought, okay, I'll turn this into two messages and so if you want to hear the other message on Absalom you are welcome to do that via podcast or some other way and of course the other way around as well if you've been part of the first service you can watch this online as well so I love the prophets of the Old Testament right and especially I love seeing how they move in the power of the Holy Spirit when they move in his power and when I look at the prophets of the Old Testament I especially love one prophet, and that is Elisha. And of course, it's easy to confuse him with Elijah. So Elisha, Elijah, you know, especially in, in English, that's quite challenging. But I'm talking about Elijah. We will talk about Elisha in a moment, but the title of this message is Elisha's Mantle, and Charlotte wanted to correct me. No, it's Elijah's Mantle. No, but this is about Elisha's Mantle, okay? So, right. The story is found in 2 Kings 2.14. There's one verse that I can take, but let me begin in 2 Kings 2.11. Here, and as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared, separating the two. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horses of Israel. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes, tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. So here we read in the Old Testament, that Elisha was the servant of the prophet Elijah. And there's an entire story around them. It didn't just happen like that. He didn't apply for a job, you know, a prophet's uh, jobs. But somehow Elijah had heard about Elisha. And I tell you, Elisha was a prosperous young entrepreneur. We read of him that he had 12 yokes of oxen. That is as if you had 12 tractors. Uh, 
tarrowing for you. And so they were plowing a field. He was someone who was wealthy. He was well known. And so Elijah goes to Elisha and he sees something else in him, in his heart. He sees God's call on him and he throws his cl uh, camel's uh, hair mantle on him. That was a sign and symbol of the calling. And this camel's cloak was uh, a mantle of the prophet. And everyone who saw this mantle knew that's someone who was called by God. And Elisha takes this calling, he says, takes leave of his parents, he spends time with Elijah, and then we see how he sacrifices his yokes of oxen, he sells everything, he leaves behind all his own securities, he sows the money he has and simply gives it into the kingdom of God, into the vision And then we read how he becomes servant to Elijah. And now, my friends, a calling is not a job in the heavenly job agency, but it's something that comes down from heaven. God is calling us, each one of us, and he is using men and women of God to do that. Sometimes we kind of see the calling of God as something very individualistic. It comes like a lightning bolt from heaven, I fall from my horse. But usually it doesn't happen that way. I know that Charlotte and I received uh, a spiritual calling because we had spiritual parents who spoke that calling into our lives. I still remember we were sitting together, we were maybe 19 or 20 years old, maybe younger, and they received a prophetic word to us and they said, Jobs, I see you standing on a stage to preach. And that's what I'm doing right now. As a young man, I could not imagine this. I asked, how was that, you know? And what I was interested in was how many people did I preach to? I was interested in that. And who was listening to me? And Aunt Maria said, unfortunately, I can't tell you. I don't see that. It's just that you have a calling to serve God. So God is using very normal men and women of God. And he, God is calling you and me out of our normal life circumstances and he transforms us to servants. That's 1 Kings 19.21. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his, oh, well, the second part of the verse. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. So that has quite some advantages. But also something happens that you wouldn't really imagine otherwise because Elisha actually gets to know all the strengths and weaknesses of the prophet Elijah. You know, when you live together, that happens from morning to night. Also, like the disciples lived together with Jesus. They got to know what jokes he understood and not what he enjoys eating and what not, what he likes to sing, how he deals with problems. And this is also what happened to Elijah and Elisha. And so that was quite something. Elijah in the struggle on Mount Carmel, the fire that came down. You probably read the story. The battle against the idol worship of his time, and then judgment of Jezebel and Ahab. So he knew the anointing of Elijah very well. Anointing is a different word for the power of God that flows through us where God is using us in authority. And so Elijah's relationship to Elijah was like the relationship to a father. He had watched very carefully. He had learned everything. And he saw how the man of God was living. 
Elijah happens, they return from Jericho and we can see Elijah was prepared inside, he knew this was his time to go. And Elijah is there, he couldn't just not be shaken off. We can see Elijah saying over and over again to Elijah, stay back, stay back, because he wanted to be alone, but Elijah stuck fast to him. And we can read, you know, he went to Gilgal, and from Gilgal he went to Bethel, and from there to Jericho, and from there they crossed the Jordan. And there were other prophets, disciples there, And they stayed back. But Elisha stuck with him. Elisha stayed with him. And now they were just in front of the Jordan. And so he saw very clearly what Elijah was doing. He took off this heavy cloak. And I imagine that of the many years that he'd worn him, that it was very used. It looked very warm. It had been used for many different purposes. And Elijah took this mantle, rolled it up, and Elisha saw exactly what he was doing. He rolled it up and then he struck the Jordan three times. And then in verse 8 we read how the Jordan split and the two of them were able to cross the Jordan on dry foot. And then we see they, they walk and they talk. And Elijah, Elijah says, what can I do for you? What, what good can I do for you? And then Elijah says, as your disciple, I want to receive a double portion of your spirit. He didn't ask for his stories, for his biography or nothing. He didn't ask for values. He just said, I want to have double the amount of anointing and power and, and strength that you have. And then the power of God came down. I read in verse 11, while they were talking and walking, suddenly chariots of fire came, drawn by horses of fire, and separated the two. And God himself took Elijah up to himself and took him in a, to heaven in a whirlwind. And that's the verse that we read where Elisha cries out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. So now the Lord had taken the prophet to himself. And now Elijah, Elisha was on his own. The only thing that he had now was this cloak of camels here. He had nothing left. But this cloak, my friends, this cloak was known in the entire land. Everyone knew it. When Elijah turned up with his mantle, people got soft and shaky knees. People knew now God's power is here because Elijah had come. And that mantle proclaimed what Elijah was wearing when he spoke judgment over Ahab on Carmel. That's where fire fell. So all the prophet's disciples knew this mantle. And all the disciples of Ahab knew this mantle. And everyone Elisa who now saw Elisha with this mantle knew exactly that's the spirit and the power of Elijah that's upon him. That's not just a, 
an office. Also, we glaube, an you know, we believe in people bearing office, that they have authority by office. No, we don't have authority because of an office. We can tell you things and we've got uh, things that we can say because of an office. But he received huge anointing and authority. And that's such a difference. And Elia is wondering, should I take up this mantle now? Now what's happening? I'm all by myself now. Who will give me counsel? Who will be my counselor now? Who will take care of me now? Who will help me when I do something wrong? What? I should be God's instrument now? Up to now he was able to just simply follow Elijah. But now? What do I do I'm all by myself now. Wir sehen, wie Elisa so sich auf den Weg macht, zurück nach Jericho. Das to heißt, er musste Jericho. So again, he had to cross the Jordan. Und während er vor dem Jordan And steht, überlegt er ganz genau, Jordan, was, was Now, what was it? Elia what, gemacht? What did Elijah do? Und er hat vor seinem inneren Auge, And wie Elia den Mantel nimmt, wie er genau zusammenrollt. Er sagt, okay, I'll do just the same thing. I'll do exactly what he did. Zusammen, so so he rolled up the cloak as he saw it with Elijah. And he strikes the water. And somehow it works. Vers 14. Und er nahm den Mantel, so he took the mantle that Elijah had dropped and struck the water and said, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And he struck the water. When he struck the water, it divided to the und right and to the left, and he crossed over. Elisa so, Elisha strikes the water with the mantle, the cloak, and he says, where is the God of Elijah? And so many people explaining the stories are wondering, why did he call that? What was it? He was full of unbelief, that's what some say. And the others say, he called that out because he was so desperate. Now, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? But this is Elisha, called by God, student of one of the most famous prophets of his time. Und sein größtes Problem And his greatest problem was dass er sich nichts zugetraut hat. Sein größtes Problem dass er sich his so problem fühlte. Was his so gering, so wenig. Weißt du, And you know, vielleicht müssen wir hier einen Gedanken einschieben, weil Gott ruft immer noch Menschen, ihnen Vollmacht zu dienen. God still calls people to serve him in authority. And sometimes we confuse that with offices or jobs, whether I'm a pastor or a cell group leader or this or that or the other. But an office doesn't give me any authority. So every time produces special callings, even today. God is speaking so clearly about callings and destinies. The time of Elisha was... His calling, when they struggled against the idolatry of Jezebel. And today, it might be the authority and calling to stand in the secular spirit of this time, people turning away from God, to stand against godlessness and lawlessness. But just as in the time of Elijah and Elisha, God still is calling people under his conditions, The conditions have not changed. And so God is calling an entire generation. He's calling a new generation. 
Ich gehöre zur Generation, so I'm part of the generation of the 70s and 80s who were called by God and also Charlotte. I remember we were sitting in services and there were preachers who said, where is the generation who will have an answer at this time, who is ready to live like Elijah, who lay down their jobs, their own desires and wishes, who are willing to make their lives count before God. And we said, Lord, here we are. We don't know how to do it, but here we are. And so with trembling, we said, Lord, if you don't have anyone else, could you please use us? And this is also what happened at the time of Elijah. And it happens again today. God is calling a generation who is willing, like Elisha, willing to be disciples, servants, a generation that he can give his cloak to and who receive authority from him. So again, it's a difference whether you do something for God or whether you receive authority from him. So that is the cloak of Elijah. The cloak of Elijah stands for an, a prophetic anointing that Elijah then has received. Sometimes we confuse that with different gifts. That's not what we're talking about. God has given different gifts Yes, and that's wonderful. We need to discover that and live in that. Sure. But here, this is about the authority and anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is the way and path of Elijah from a disciple to someone in authority. He won't be shaken off from Gilgal to Jericho to the Jordan. He says, I want to have that anointing. I want to have that mantle. And now he's all by himself at the Jordan. And his spiritual father had given his heritage to him. The cloak, the mantle. And so he put it on, it seemed to be so large and huge and heavy. And what was really the bad thing about it, everyone was able to recognize him. They didn't recognize him in his face, his nose, his ears, but because of his cloak. And so he's screaming now, where is the God of Elijah? So he didn't think he was capable of doing anything. He says, I don't have anything that I can give. And my friends, there's a time, I'm convinced, when the Lord will place his calling and anointing on a generation who don't think they can do anything. They feel inferior, they feel insignificant and unworthy, but, but, they will be willing to pour themselves out before God and to be available for him. So then when the Lord spoke to Charlotte and myself about our calling, we started building the kingdom of God and started building a church here in Tübingen. There was this thought in me all the time. Like, first of all, there are people who are better than me. So, so, much, so much more uh, experience. It sounds very humble. So many people who could help us, and I hope somebody will come at some point who will release us and will give us a push ahead. And I believe that almost everybody thinks that at some point. And I thought that over the years, even though when we were still building the church, already building the church, but nobody would come. Well, of course, we had lots of men and women of God who came. Until at some point the Lord said to me, you can't borrow somebody else's faith and authority. 
Ich möchte dir einen Rock I want to give you a coat and he spoke to me about the message of the coat of Joseph because the calling that you've received is an original calling that is only fitting for you. And when you wear this coat of the Father, this original calling, I will give you the authority, you will be authentic, and I will give you blessing and anointing. And that's what the Lord also says to you. There is a mantle, a coat of anointing that is only fitting for you. And you can wait for a long time for somebody else to come and to give you more than that, but God wants to give it to you. And so that's what the Lord said to me. Take the mantle I've given to you and don't be afraid that others will actually recognize you for it. Don't be afraid that others actually will be offended by you. Don't be afraid that others will write about you. Don't be afraid that others will actually want to soil your coat or your mantle. And my friends, We've been on the road with Jesus here in Tübingen for a long time. We've been living here for almost how many years? 30 years? 38 years? So we've been building the kingdom of God here. We planted a church here and a ministry. We taught so many to be disciples since planting the church and to wear this mantle, even though these two go together. Even though in the Christian era this word has been, become quite unpopular by now, but it still is in the Bible. So we taught so many to wear this cloak, and there were many who were willing to pay this price. Otherwise we couldn't be sitting here. It wasn't because Jobs and Charlotte Bittner were here, but it was because of Guido and Gudula and Günther and Claudia and Thomas and Simone, so many who said, Lord, here we are, we take it. I lay down my own life as the son of a farmer, as an engineer, as a social worker, or whatever we did. I want to wear the mantle. I want to go where you want me to go. So many who were willing to pay the price and to walk this path. And so Elijah used this cloak to strike the water. Was it desperation? But the miracle happened. Why? The miracle happened. The water is dividing. And he sees the Lord is with me. I have the same God, the same Lord like Elijah. And I want to tell you a secret. The important thing is not the tool. The important thing is the master craftsman who uses the tool. So it's not important what the tool is, but it is the master craftsman who uses it. You know, before I studied theology, I was privileged to get an apprenticeship as a carpenter because the Lord wanted to teach me something. And one of the things I didn't like at all, because if the wood was very nicely prepared and everything, it needed to be um, furnished with a coat of paint. And you had to do that with the right distance, and I tried to paint that and to, to prepare it, and it looked terrible. With the paint dripping off of the wood, and it was striped, and, and it was irregular. It was terrible. And then my master craftsman came, and he took the same tool in his hand, and very relaxed, like doing it from his hip, you know, and he was painting it, and it looked mm, like beautiful. So the important thing is not the tool. But the important thing is 
der Meister, der das Werkzeug in die Hand nimmt. Und was heißt das für heute? Die Geschichte geht ein bisschen weiter. Because the story continues. Do you want to look at it a bit further? Are you still with me? So Elisha comes back to Jericho. Verse 19. But the men of the city said to Elisha, look, our Lord, the town is well situated as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive or infertile. So this is the story of Jericho with a bad water that follows immediately after After the splitting of the Jordan, the water makes the land unproductive. And so we play it down and we say, oh, it's contaminated, polluted water. Nobody was able to drink it. This water brought death. It brought infertility, destruction, need. Maybe similar to contaminated air. Like uh, today, you know, with a virus. Jericho, das war nicht And das Jericho Bild wasn't the image Stadt, of a, a city of antiquity, but it was a huge metropolis like Munich, Stuttgart, Tübingen. You know, people said it's good to live here. Hier in Stuttgart, wir haben so eine in Stuttgart here, wow, there's lots of time and opportunity for party. Dieses, uh, It's great to live flair, here. Party It's such flair. a wonderful party atmosphere here. We can enjoy that at night. In Berlin, das ist Or gut Berlin, zu it's good to live Stadt. there, a great city. Especially when you go to Kreuzberg. You can enjoy the trees there. Or es gut, it's good to live here. Wer hat das schon mal so gehört? Who of you has heard things like that? Oh, it's nice to live here. But then there's this but. Und nach diesem gut Wohnen gibt es immer ein Aber. In Stuttgart gibt es ein Aber, in Berlin gibt es ein Aber, in Jericho gab es genauso ein Aber. Berlin gibt es ein Aber, in Tübingen natürlich auch. Of course, in Tübingen gibt es auch ein Aber. Aber es gibt hier vergiftete Quellen. There are poisoned wells here. Was sind denn vergiftete Quellen? Now, what might these vergiftete poisoned wells be? Das ist Aggression. Wells of poison, that's aggression, hatred and violence. But there are these poisonous wells now. People who suddenly get aggressive, destroy windows and plunder and loot, nightclubs, prostitution that are recognized as relevant to the system, drug consumption, perversion everywhere. There's polluted wells of idolatry. So there are polluted, poisonous wells here. And there are these poisonous wells everywhere in the hearts of people. Und die bringen bitteres And they produce Wasser bitter water. Vergiftete Quellen. Poisonous Wenn es solche Quellen well, gibt, merkwürdig ist if das, we have them, it's really strange to see because that always produces insecurity. Ja, genau, people who don't know exactly how to move anymore. What, and who is poisoned? Who gets infected? Insecurity. We saw that in the time of Corona. People don't know how to treat one another. Who should you avoid? How can you say hello to one another? These are the consequences of poisoned wells. It's always insecurity and fear. James 3, verse 10 says that. From one mouth there is a praise and cursing. This should not be, my brothers and sisters. Is, there, is it possible for a well to have both sweet and bitter water from the same hole? So there is this bitter well in the hearts of people. And now, there are the representatives of Jericho who come and they approach the man with his camel hair coat. 
they come to Elijah. Elisha. And we know from the word of God that Jericho was no holy city, but it was a place of idolatry. And now there's Elisha here. He was despised, and even Elijah was despised, because as long as there's no need, God's not interested. As long as you're doing well, you don't need the living God. But now, there is poisoned wells. Now they start calling out to God. And we are living in a time like this. In a time of crisis. And in a time of crisis, people are starting to seek God. They start reaching out for Him. They need an answer. And for these poisoned wells of this time, there is no different answer than the one from heaven, the one from the living God. And so let's kind of uh, think a bit further along the lines of this image here, because Elisha somehow is also an image for Jesus. Because whenever we read a story in the Old Testament, and that is interpreted as a picture or an image, it's called an allegory. And I am convinced that we have real stories in the Old Testament here, but at the same time, Jesus also used some of these images and stories from the Old Testament as an image, for instance, going through the Red Sea. He used that as an image for baptism, or Jonah as an image for death and resurrection of Jesus himself. So we can do that. And now, there are many, many reasons why we should take the personage of Elisha like a forerunner, a foreshadowing, an image, an example, a parable for much of what Jesus did later on. So it's a small surprise that Jesus mentions Elisha in his message. So, we, that gets us back to the story. Elisha here represents... No, he stands before the men of Jericho. Second Kings 22. He says, Give me a, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. And they brought it to him and then he went out to the well and threw the salt inside and said, This is what the Lord says. I've healed the water. Never again will it call death or make the land unproductive. And the water remained wholesome to this day according to the word Elisha had spoken. And now there's a problem. My dear friends, with this story. The problem is that a bowl of salt does not heal the water. Right? So, if you take a bowl of salt and pour it into polluted water, well, salt is really very important, but it will not change the, the makeup of the water. And so here we see an image of how the Lord is moving his arms. Apparently, this is something very insignificant. Something that becomes a tremendous key. It is the mark for everyone who is called by God. And my friends, now this takes us to an important point in the message, so important and so insignificant that we often are likely to miss it. This is the mark of everyone who is called by God. And many times we think that everyone who is called by God, those who have microphones, those who are wonderful and glorious in doing things, no. What happens here? With this bowl of salt. You know, it's a very simple secret. Elisha is doing something 
Punkt. Full stop. Elisa tut etwas. So Elisha just Und does something. Der Herr fängt And an etwas the Lord zu tun. Starts doing Elisa tut etwas. Das Geheimnis ist berufen. Der Bibel ist Der Herr tut etwas. Und Elisha beginnt. Und Gott ist working. Du denkst, wow, das ist nicht so ein tiefes Ding. Ja, es ist. Jericho. Jericho. Siebenmal. Sieben times they walked around it. Joshua und die Armee, sie walk around Jericho again and again and again. Denkst du, die hatten so eine Power? think they had such power? The Shofars, so the walls came crashing down? No. Joshua is doing something, and then God adds his power. Moses lifts the staff and pushes it into the water of the Sea of Reeds. Do you think that it was a magic stick? No, er tut etwas. But he does something. Und Gott tut das And then hinzu. God adds his weißt, thing to it. Ist, And you know, that's the problem. Warten, so many times tut. we are waiting for God to do something. Menschen, And there are people alt. who get old and frustrated and bitter while waiting. waiting and 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 Segen ist dort, Blessing wenn wir etwas für Gott zu tun. Und dann tut Gott die Dinge. Weißt du, wenn ich einfach nur predigen würde, you know, ohne dass Gott etwas tut, dann könnte ich einfach nur Vortrag anything, halten. Du würdest hinausgehen und nichts passiert. Gott sei Dank, aber für jeden, But der sagt, mein Lord, Leben wurde durch eine Predigt wow, verändert. Ich wurde durch eine Predigt verführt. Ich wurde herausgefordert. Du tust etwas und Gott tut etwas and God du adds to it. You go and share your testimony, for instance, you feel really bad, you feel weak, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes and the person starts weeping because God is at work. Or you go somewhere, you take your telephone and tell someone, I want to pray for you. You don't feel anything, don't sense anything, but you do something and God adds his thing and the person on the other end of the phone says, wow, I'm so grateful because God came into my life today. Weißt du, auch wenn es unscheinbar und nicht war, das Salz ist etwas Alltägliches. Man kann das aus dem Meer gewinnen, natürlich you know, auch wertvoll, aber es ist sehr insignifikant. Niemand hat es in den Supermarkt gehen und sagt, heute kaufe ich ein schönes, wunderbares Salz. Du würdest in den Supermarkt gehen, du würdest schönes Gemüse suchen, du würdest alles Mögliche finden. Du würdest auch aussuchen, natürlich. Aber es kann den Prozess der Verwesung stoppen. Viele sagen, dieses Salz ist das Wort Gottes. Ja, und das ist wahr, das ist das Erste. Du bist da, du bist verzweifelt, du bist im Finsternis, du fängst an, im Wort Gottes zu lesen. Das Wort Gottes fängt an, aber deine Gesundheit zu machen. Drogenabhängige, drug addicts maybe. Die ersten Drogenabhängige, die wir kennengelernt haben, die sagten, das ganze Erinnerungsvermögen war zerschossen. Ich konnte nicht mehr nachdenken, ich konnte sich nicht mehr konzentrieren, um Gottes zu studieren. Und sie begannen, studying the word of God, thinking about it, their spirit became clear. So poisoned wells are healed by the word of God. Aber Jesus sagt noch was anderes. But Jesus also says something else, and that also gets me to the end of my message. This insignificant salt. That's you. 
Durch das Salz salt, wird die Familie, die auseinanderbricht, und wie viele Familien waren auseinanderbrechen. Die vergifteten Herzen mit Hass und Schuld und Sünde salt. The salt, those who live in bankruptcy, they suddenly become a successful businessman because of the salt. Those who had no job before, but now she's a successful teacher because of salt. Those who were drug addicts become successful business people because of the salt. Or the religious student who always needed attention became a man of God because of the salt. And the migrant full of rejection became a preacher of the word of God. And the rebellious, frustrated nobleman became a man of God, a servant because of the salt, and the single widow became part of the family, just because of the salt, my friends. The salt is the only thing that can stop decay. And you know what salt is? That's you. People who are pouring themselves out on behalf of the gospel. You're not just changed because you try and save yourself by your own strength, but because people around you have become salt before. This is what Jesus says. You are the salt of the earth. And if the salt is, loses its saltiness, it's no use any longer but being thrown out and trampled. So a bowl of salt by itself doesn't cause everything. Because it's not magic. This camel's hair's coat is not magic at all, but it's the living God who finds people who are at his disposal, who allow themselves to be poured out for him. So this living God brings forth everything. And now this brings me to the end of the message. We have had a look at the story of Elisha, and he was called. Let's look at the stages of his calling. Elisha is called by Elijah, throwing his cloak around him. So we don't just run off by ourselves, but somebody recognizes and knows us in the spirit. So Elisha leaves behind everything. He brings a sacrifice, an offering into the kingdom of God. He leaves behind his old securities. He becomes a disciple and a servant. He allows him to teach him. He follows him, learns from him. To the last moment, he sticks with Elijah because he wants to have this anointing, this authority. And you know, my friends, when I look at Germany and when I look around me here, there's so many who are preaching, who are teaching, so much who, many who organize and give themselves to Jesus. But I'm wondering who will carry the mantle, who will carry the apostolic prophetic mantle of authority and anointing at this time? And where are the disciples and servants who will sacrifice their own yoke of oxen, their own securities, to sacrifice it to God, saying, Lord, here I am, I want to make my life count before God, simply to serve you.
Ihr Lieben, wenn es die geben würde, dann wären die Bibelschulen in Deutschland voll. Dann wären die Tosco-Fellers voll. Dann die Bibelschulen voll. Dann wären die Eagles TSM voll. Die Menschen, die sagen, die Welt würde voll von Menschen sein, die sagen, die Welt würde voll von Menschen sein, die sagen, die Welt würde voll von Menschen sein. But in Germany, to build the kingdom of God. And my friends, the kingdom of God is not made up of, of small paid jobs. But Elisha wore the camel's hair's cloak and he didn't think he was going to be able to do anything. And I can really understand that. In my first message, I thought, Lord, how should I preach? How can I speak? How can I say anything that makes sense? Oh, my first uh, evangelism outreach here in the Schlatterhaus, I preached the word of God and I closed my eyes because I didn't want to be disappointed. I thought that nobody would raise their hand for the altar call. And these were the first people who got saved and the per first person who did get saved then is to, to, in the church to this day. And I closed my eyes, I said, Lord, how, this is, how is this going to work? Or we were out on the street, we evangelized, we preached, we worshipped, we gave out food. And so many times I said, Lord, please help. And the Lord said to me, when you start doing something, I will start working. I will take what is insignificant. I will take what is nothing on the outside. I will take whenever people are saying, okay, I am willing to do anything for you. So I'm wondering who is willing to go, who will give himself. Will we want to follow our own dreams of the kingdom of God or will we serve wherever we need it? I'm wondering, where are those who will walk the second and the third mile? And who is willing to say, Lord, here I am. Not just send me at some point, uh, maybe to South America, there I can do this or that or the other. It looks so romantic, it's great. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Elisha picks up the mantle of the calling and he wears it to the end of his life. That's the mantle that he uses to strike the Jordan. That's the mantle that he can clear away every obstacle that's before him, a new obstacle, a new mountain. He doesn't throw it away, he doesn't run away. There is no one who can move the mountain for him. He has to do it with his anointing and authority, alone with the living God and his trust and faith in the living God. And you know, those who pick up this mantle to wear it, who lay down their lives and pour it out like this ball of salt before God, they will see, it doesn't matter what you do, if it's so little, so insignificant, God will take it and he will increase it and magnify it and multiply it. And the Lord will move his mighty arm. So let's all pray together.